Thank you for listening to the BJJ Brick Podcast. We'll be bringing you Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and good times. We hope to help you get the most out of your grappling ability and meet your goals both on and off the mat. Welcome back, my friends, to the BJJ Brick Podcast. I'm Joe. I'm here with my good buddies, Byron and Gary. Uh, this is episode 357. This week, we've got Alec Balding on the show. If you're not familiar with him, check him out. Uh, great athlete, uh, great member of our community. Uh, we're going to start this show off with a quote by Charles Swindle. Uh, Life is 10% what happens to us and 90% how we react to it. Uh, man, you can take that off the mat or you can take it on the mat. Um, it's nice when you're the guy that it's always going first in a match and the other person is in the position where they've got to react to everything, but we don't always get that opportunity. Sometimes in a match, you know, you're you're always feeling like you're one step behind and how you react to that, how you work to get back out in front or take advantage of your uh, your opponent's mistakes is key. So sometimes it's just coming at you fast and you just got to got to deal with it correctly and eventually things will go around turn around uh what do, you, what do you think about that byron yeah i i like this quote i think we've had this quote uh years ago it's it's just such an interesting way to look at you could say grappling or just our lives and some people seem to just be you know like oh uh just down on their luck all the time and and they and they just have a having a tough go for a while and that's 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 real you know like we can't deny that sometimes you know a few bad things stack up sometimes but sometimes people have bad things stack up and that you look at them and they're they they're doing great it's it's not uh having a major negative impact on them they they're still you know going for it They, they they still are reacting to uh tough situations in, in a fairly, you know, remarkable way. And I think for, for most of us, most of the time, you know, statistically, life is kind of average. <laughs> Obviously, we go through rough patches. Obviously, we get some highs in there. But um, some a lot of things we can't control at all as far as the external events. You know, if, if you know, somebody wrecks into your car and, and you get injured or, you know – something something i don't know something bad or or maybe you get fired or maybe laid off or whatever like a lot of things are just outside of our control our health and wellness is is at times um out of our control and how we react to some things how we react to these things that we can't control is uh is very important so life is 10% what happens to us 90% how we react to it we we need to be um trying to react in, in the appropriate in positive ways and we need to uh, be trying to put people around us that help us do that and trying to be that person that helps other people when they are going through tough times so I'll just uh, plug our audio book real quick here your first year of Brazilian Jiu Jitsu it is it's basically I sit down with you uh, over an audio book for two and a half hours and just kind of run through you and Jiu Jitsu uh, you know, from finding the right gym to your first month of training, the benefits of jiu-jitsu, techniques and positions you should focus on in this year. I think that first year is a really hard year uh, to to start really anything that's as hard as jiu-jitsu. It's going to be rough. And, and having a little bit of guidance up front, I think, is uh, well worth it. Uh, it's eleven ninety nine. The money goes and helps uh, support the podcast here. 
and uh, check it out. There'll be a link to the shop in the show notes, and there you can find the uh, audiobook, Your First Year of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. I'm going to get you through that first year, not only like uh, performing well, but also enjoying it and hitting that second year with uh, a lot of vigor and uh, you know positive energy towards moving toward the future. Hey, Byron, do we still have the BJJ Fun Pack for sale? Uh, I think so. <laughs> Check out the okay. shop. I don't know if it's in the shop. Um, if not, it would be... Uh, so So what Gary's asking about is we used to do a, a segment called Matt Tales where... Uh, I love those. Yeah, those are fun. <laughs> where people would send in like kind of crazy or wild stories about something that happened at their gym or while they were training or whatever... And this, the, you know, the, I would I would condense the stories to a couple of minutes, and throw some music to it, and and have a little bit more production value. And uh, those were well received. Those took a lot of work. <laughs> and uh, yeah, we maybe I'll throw in a Matt Tales at the end of this episode or something like that, just for fun. If I could find them on the old hard drive. <laughs> Good question, Gary. Joe. Uh, yeah. We we missed you last week, Joe. We're, we're happy to have you back, and I'm I'm hoping you have an off the mat lesson for us. Yeah, actually, it kind of relates to why why I was missed last week. Uh, my wife had uh, a complete hysterectomy, and uh, she's doing well now. She's recuperating. Um, but man, when you think about that surgery, it's it's really extensive. You know, they got to make several incisions, and then the ovaries and the uterus and all that stuff is all being fed by blood vessels that all have to be clipped and cauterized and, and anywhere those things might be attached to the uh, abdominal wall or anything's got to be clipped. And man, it's like, it sounds like a death, a death of a thousand cuts when you think about it. So anyway, uh, this happened on the day that I came home from my two week kitchen at work. And so I have been playing Mr. Mom to our grandson ever since. And man, it took me about two days and I'm like, Holy cow, man! That woman does a lot of work. But <laughs> I, but I got to pick up the slack and do all the dishes and all the cooking and all the, you know, taking care of Sebastian and bathing him. It's like, wow, those are full days. So uh, anyway, the life lesson is kind of has to do with empathy. Um, our article that we'll discuss later has to do with the cost of jujitsu and and is it worth it? And we'll talk about all the reasons why it is worth it. But sort of the other side of that is. Why am I paying so much? Not as in what am I getting for it, but what 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 uh, uh, what valid reason is there that it should cost X amount of money? What's the coach doing to earn it? Is maybe uh, a way to think about it. And man, if you carry that idea with you and you never resolve it, I don't think you're going to enjoy your jujitsu journey all that much. And I just want to point out that. The coach and this business owners, they do so much more than just show up and teach a couple hours worth of class in the evening. You know, I, I've been uh, at my coach's side while he's built this gym. And, and man, that guy works like from sun up to sundown most days. He's at the gym all day. It takes a lot to make it work. The cleaning the mats, the perfecting your own skills. Um, Man, there's just a lot to it. Uh, Byron, Gary, I know you guys are both kind of involved in providing instruction and opportunity for people to train. Uh, it's not as easy as it looks, is it? Yeah. Like you said, there's a lot of work uh, you know, going into it, a lot of preparation. And, uh, um, you know, it, it seems easy till you're actually doing it. And uh, like you said, a lot of work, preparation, and uh, time. 
Yeah, and, and you're, Joe's referring to the uh, the article of the week we'll have at the end of the show. But you know, why does it cost so much for my kids to train jujitsu? And you know, why is jujitsu expensive? And and what you know, and the article really covers on, and we'll get to that. Like, it's worth it. <laughs> but like, you didn't realize how much work your wife was doing. Uh, when you were in the room with her, or maybe sometimes when you were in the room with her, you realize, man, she really, you know, she she could do, you know, this quality of cooking in this amount of time. I could spend twice that long, and it won't be as good. <laughs> like, it's just, and I dirty up twice as many dishes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I sometimes my cooking feels like doing dishes with a little bit of cooking on the side because I. I end up using half of our half of our cooking stuff to make uh, you know a meal for you know two people that, you know that we have a little bit of leftovers with. But yeah, I, it's just like a little frustrating sometimes when things don't go real well. But if someone's skilled in that, you get so much more value out of it. Same thing we were saying with your instructor. You don't understand how much is going uh, on the back end or behind the scenes or in in the years decades that your coach has developed this art that they're trying to pass on and and really with with that's a big one and they're trying to share knowledge in a way that's better than when they got it and i think that that's that's largely happening all over the jiu-jitsu world i think we're getting better at teaching jiu-jitsu as a community and and bringing people in as a community and it's it's uh, a big reason Two big reasons why Jesus is growing so well. Joe, just think of your wife, uh, you know, with, with you have to do everything. But, you know, she's got, you, you know, even more work. You know, she's got, oh, I don't know which one would be more work, but you're home for two weeks. So then she's got all the uh, extra dishes and clothes and everything to wash. Then you're gone two weeks and she doesn't have you, you know, if you're, you know, whatever you're doing around the house, which is probably just sleeping. Um, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that just, you know, I guess till the way you put it, you know, you, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know if a lot of us understand what our significant others do. And, uh, you know, I was just thinking how much work, uh, Lisa does there, Joe, and, uh, you know, how, how much of it's just incredible. And, uh, and, you know, I bet a lot of us, don't realize that. And, you know, as you were talking about it, Joe, I was thinking the same thing. I, I probably have no clue. And, uh, you know, if my wife was down for a time, I guarantee you I would, uh, I would find out real, real quick. And, uh, I would be very surprised, uh, of, you know, how much work is, is done. Joe, you, you brought this on the mat already once as far as, uh, how much your coach is doing, but it's also important to understand, I'll bring it on the, a different side of the mat that when we go train, we're not at home. We're not doing, you know, our chores or whatever you want to call it. Like, and that's still, some of those things still get done. So we just need to appreciate those in our lives that are helping support us and uh, also give them that time that they need to go do their equivalent of jujitsu. Um, whatever that is, whether it's, hopefully it's jujitsu. <laughs> but Byron, Byron, yes. hold on. Stop, 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 stop. You win the internet. Absolutely. Yep. That's yeah. a great point, man. Yeah, that that is so important. Um, you know, we have our jujitsu, but uh, our spouse, significant other, you know, partner, whatever, that person also needs to uh, have time to do their whatever their, 
you know, natural high is like, um, so yeah, that was great, Byron. And that's the only way we're going to be able to train jujitsu all the time. We have to, uh, you know, make it easy for our, our partner, significant other or whatever to, uh, to survive. Gary, I, I got a, uh, paper here. I'm just getting out here. I want to thank everybody that made this dream possible of winning the internet, uh, Gary, of course, at the award co- uh, committee there, and, and Joe for being here and throwing me a softball, possibly. Uh, I want to thank my wife for uh, being there with putting up with me all these years, and of course, the listeners as well. Uh, thank you guys so much. I finally, finally won the internet, and uh, it, it means a lot to me, uh, Gary and Joe. Hey, Byron, just so you know, I've got the tallies down here. Joe has won it. <laughs> 114 times i've won it seven and you've won one good job no thank you <laughs> yeah wow what, a, what an episode hey guys uh stay tuned after the interview uh we have where's some the after party where's the after party yeah. it's your house gary <laughs> <laughs> that means we're rolling <laughs> i guess that's how just we will get together uh you know- yeah, stay tuned after the interview. I want to uh, cover some kind of some changes to the show that that are going to be happening, and I I, I definitely don't want to surprise anybody. Uh, likely we'll we'll miss an episode or two uh, coming up, so uh, I'll talk about those after the interview because I'm really excited to bring Alec uh, back to you guys. Such a great member of the Jesus community, such a fun person to have back on the show. So here is our interview with Alec Balding. All right, my friends, I'm excited to bring Alec Balding back to the BJJ Brick podcast. Alec, welcome back to the show. Hey, guys. Thank you. Thank you, Byron, for having me back on. I'm thrilled to have you back on, and uh, we've got a little bit of catching up to do uh, since I've seen you last, but uh, you are a uh, ADCC North American Trials winner and uh, phenomenal competitor, both uh, gi and no gi, and that is becoming increasingly rare. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. Uh, what happened? Yeah, what's up? Let's just start right there. How do you do that? Uh, I think for me, I spent a, a lot of. Well, I started when I when I first started training. We always did gi and no gi. They would be like, "Okay, take your gi's off," and then we had to do no gi. And I think that's because a lot of the old school guys they fought MMA, like no holes barred, like no gloves. So um, I think that's kind of how I came up. You know, you you had to learn striking like I did Muay Thai uh, and Jiu-Jitsu. And so, like, you had to – it was just part of this, the curriculum, like gi, no-gi. And, you know, we had a lot of – I feel like there was more no-gi-centric tournaments. You had, like, Naga, the Grapplers yeah. Quest. Uh, things like that were very popular uh, back then. So for, like, w- when and like where did you athletes. start? Uh, so I started Jiu-Jitsu – in uh, 2005. Okay. I, I actually started Taekwondo before that, and I, I just saw, I found a, a old uh, AAU certificate <laughs> from one of the tournaments <laughs> cool. I did in Taekwondo. So, from like 2004 or 2004. So, um, when I started, I think Jiu-Jitsu was just it was still kind of a niche sport, and I, I just remember like going into the dojo, and man, it looked like Fight Club. Like it was grimy and dirty and dark, and like you know all these big tough guys. And so I I didn't know what to to really expect, uh, but you know everything worked out, man. Yeah, it's it's a little different now. Uh, how old were you back in those days when you when you started? 
I must have been like 14 or 15. Okay. So, you know, like <laughs> younger, younger kid getting his butt kicked. Yeah. And, and, uh, you, you stuck with it. I, I, I remember those days for myself as far as I didn't start that young, but, but having gi days or no gi days or, you know, we're getting hot. Let's take the geese off and roll. Um, I think we trained with the geese in the wintertime and then we do more no gi in the summertime. <laughs> Yeah, that makes sense to me. But uh, that's, I think they, they they made that out to be a uh, self-defense reason, I guess. But, um, mm-hmm. yeah, I've always been comfortable in both, and, and you are somebody who can compete at a high level at both. Um, what's the for, – for myself, and maybe I'm just asking this for selfish reasons, but I try to train predominantly um, with a style that works for both. Because any day yeah. that I can go train, I do go train, regardless of gi or no gi. But I want to have something that I could work on the same for like a month or two weeks or something. I want to have a something that I'm focused on. And so it's mm-hmm. really hard for me to be you know, excited about a lapel guard or even um, some sort of a lasso thing where if I'm going three no gi days in a row, I don't get to play any of that. So I know my game has yeah. limited itself. But that's fine by me. I mean, my, I mean, I'm I just because it's fun. But how are you able to do both? Are you just spending that much more time at both, or are you having to study a lot more? Which, which, what are you doing differently than most people? Um, I think I, I think I just enjoy both, and I, I see the importance of doing both. And you see, like a lot of guys, like even high level guys, like there's guys that love the gi and like they just tolerate no gi and vice versa. Uh, but I just I see both as art forms, and uh, you know I have a a similar game in both. But then I'll go and study, like you know, in the gi I might work like some type of cool collar sleeve thing or lapel guard, and then in no gi you know it opens up more wrestling, more leg locks. So um, I just enjoy the process, and um, I I just alternate. For me, I alternate. Sometimes I'll do gi, then the next day I do no gi. And uh, I just I, I really try to keep that balance as much as I can. And um, I think that that's helped me so much. Just put the time in both and, uh, you know, just enjoy them. With with your experience, would you say that one is safer than the other or are they about the same? Like injury proneness? Mm, I feel a little bit safer in Nogi. Uh, you know, leg locks can probably change that a little bit. But if I'm just training nogi, like it's a little bit lighter on my body. You know, my grips aren't getting worn down. Uh, it's it's like you can move a lot easier. You're not being tied up in some weird lapel worm guard where your knees buckling. Um, so I, that helps me when I take a break from gi. Like okay, nogi, I can kind of recover my body, my grips, and then you know when I go back to the gi, I feel a lot more explosive. So um, I, I think definitely think nogi is a little bit easier. <laughs> Yeah, from a from a body perspective, maybe not so much cardio and conditioning. Yeah, that that, that also makes sense with the with the pace. But <laughs> I can get exhausted doing either one of them, so <laughs> it, it depends on my training partner, really. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, I I just recently finished your uh, instructional about uh, keeping your guard, and that's on VJ Fanatics, and I thought you did a great job with that. And I think that that's a topic that's very important. Uh, but the the issue is it it doesn't. And you you've talked about it a little bit in the in the video itself. It's not like the sexiest thing. It's not 
um, the thing that people are like clamoring to learn how to keep their guard. They want to, you know, a, a, a title about, you know, doing this or total destruction mm-hmm. of the kneecap or something like something like yeah. <laughs> like a cool name like that. But this is super important. It just doesn't have that um, that salesmanship, I guess. I don't know what it is, but yeah. but I think it's more important than pretty much most things in jiu-jitsu. If you can't keep your guard, you can't play jiu-jitsu very well. Um, yeah. So what was the, the, the main reason why you were drawn to this topic? Uh, so I did research on my topic. Um, I wanted to pick a topic that a lot of people hadn't covered. I think Prick Mickelson, I can't say his name right, he had covered something similar uh, but I, I think at that point, no one had really done that much. And I think after I did mine, like Dan or her <laughs> did his around, like, at, like released his after yeah. I started working on it afterward, after that. So, um, I just wanted to find a good topic for myself, you know, being my first DVD, I wanted to, you know, certain topics like, okay, De La Hiva guard passing knee slice. Like some of those are like so sa- oversaturated. So. I wanted to pick a good topic and also one I knew people needed to work on, you know, just from talking to the students. Biggest source of frustration is like you, you can't even work your guard. So like a lot of people, you know, is that's the hardest part of jujitsu is developing a guard. Like being on top is easy. It's natural. I can grab anybody off the street and say, hey, have a good base and don't let me flip you over. Like they're going to do a good job. Uh, but the guard, you know, that's what takes time. So I, I wanted to pick a topic that would help people with that. Yeah, I I think that that guard retention or keeping your guard, or and you really explained side control escape very well there as well. As far as there's different side controls and different levels of uh, of bad <laughs> that that are going to happen, and, and how to address those and how to get out. Those are so important, and and for myself, they've helped me enjoy jujitsu more, uh, more evenly. I guess like like I, I have less of the roles where I just get smashed by somebody mm-hmm. who's who, who's just able to do that to me. Because um, if, if I want to work on, let's just say. I don't know, Uma Plata for a while for my guard. So I try some Uma Platas and occasionally my guard might get passed. Mm-hmm. But if if I try Uma Plata and my guard gets passed and that was the first minute, I now have five to nine more minutes to go. And if I can't recover my guard, A, I'm done training my Uma Plata and B, I'm not having much fun. Like <laughs> I enjoy <laughs> yeah. lots of parts of Jiu-Jitsu, but I don't really enjoy getting my ribs crushed. <laughs> So I, I think the idea of being able to recover your guard quickly not only makes it more enjoyable, it helps me put myself in spots where I could train things that I want to train. Yeah. And and that's 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 why I'm I'm such a big advocate of that. It's just you need to be able to reset and, and yeah, we need a positional spar, we need to work with our training partners, but you know we're gonna roll still and and, and if it's a competitive role and somebody gets psyched from you, they're not going to give it up. <laughs> no, like, God, no. You have to escape. And that's it's like, such you know, an important guys. thing. Like, I roll with a lot of big guys, so it's just like, man, I can't have this big guy on my side. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, it's, that, that's a miserable process. So you talk about big guys. Um, how, tell me about your, your body type and how you match that to your game. 
so I'm I'm pretty short and stocky. Um, so that's uh, that's you know I've always I mean everybody has trouble adapting their body. You know some guys are born taller and lanky and super flexible. I remember I had a student in Orlando like man he was super tall super flexible, but man he did he didn't use any any of it. So I would always kind of. Uh, I wouldn't berate him, but I would, I would always bring it to his attention. Like, dude, if I had those attributes, I would be using them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you yeah, know, jiu-jitsu is all about finding using your body the best way you can. So, um, you know, being smaller, there's things I can do. You know, being tight, staying tight, like almost balling up. You know, that's a power in itself. You know, um, I don't know if you ever train with like a little kid or something. But there's like nothing to grab. You can't like. I imagine this is what Mikey Muzumeci feels like. There's just nothing. You, uh, there's no space, and so you just gotta learn how to use your body type, guys, and you know master it. So if if you were talking to somebody who had a similar body type, uh, shorter, stocky, uh, what, what advice would you give them to like, hey, maybe don't focus so much on I don't know triangles or. You know, I don't know what, but but what advice would you give them to help get them looking at techniques that work well for the body type? It's so tough. Uh, you know, luckily I have a little bit of mobility to me, uh, but I know stocky people that are like two hundred and over two hundred pounds and like not flexible, bad hips, bad knees. Uh, I think again, there's always a way to use your body type. Um, I think just don't be frustrated. Look have like a problem solving solution mind, like look for answers, things you can do uh, consistently and uh, develop your game around that. You know, don't try to, don't try to copy or emulate someone that's super tall and flexible. Like, you know, see if the, anyone else has your body type or if not, you know, you're going to have to uh, really put a lot of thought with my body type. And they're like, Hey, I can't play open guard. I can't cl- close my guard. I can't do close guard. So, um, you know, there's, you know, even people without any arms or legs can play like a type of guard or they're going to have their own moveset. Like, I think Kyle Maynard is the guy, I believe. Like he didn't have arms or legs. But man, he was because he didn't have arms or legs, like it was hard to control him. Like he could like turn around and like you can't, you can't take his back. There's nothing to like hold. So, uh, yeah, guys, just use what you got, man. Yeah, that's a, that's a, uh, a good example. <laughs> um, and, and the thing is like – you're probably shorter than than almost everybody you compete against but for you you're used to competing against people who are who are taller but they're not used to competing against somebody who's shorter maybe maybe there's a bit of an advantage for just you dealing with their game type versus them mm-hmm. with yours i don't know i, I could be imagining that I, I get thrown off when i fight someone my size or smaller i'm like oh jesus i'm like i'm frustrated <laughs> i'm like oh my god this is this what I, this is how i am like it's so tough. Um, yeah, it's it. I I find it very difficult. It's much more difficult to submit somebody, generally speaking, if they're if they're more compact. There's nothing to grab, man. Especially if they don't have <laughs> neck. I, there's one guy I know like that. He's got like no legs, no arms, no neck. You just like <laughs> you're screwed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's uh. But but it, I mean it's encouraging for anybody it, whether you're tall and lanky like you're saying just start to work and find the game that works for your body and don't you know it's there's value to learning other parts of jiu-jitsu as well but don't be super 
uh, draw on towards things that aren't going to fit you well and, and try to match your body type with what you're working on. I think it helps to have a good coach too. So like when yeah. I'm coaching, like I'm already like, Hey dude, you're tall. Do this. Okay. You're short, dude. Don't do that. Do this. So you definitely need like a higher build or coach to kind of guide you in the right direction. So you don't waste years, <laughs> years of your life trying to perfect some move that was terrible for your, your body type. Yeah. I, I want to, I kind of skipped over some of my things I wanted to talk to you about, about your, uh, BGG fanatics video. And something that you did quite a bit in the video, I really appreciate it, and I haven't seen that in in very many videos, is that you would have your uh, demonstration partner do the technique. So you would show it, you would talk about it, show another angle to explain it some more, and all the while, uh, it feels like he's watching and learning this alongside mm-hmm. you. And then you say, okay, now you go. And then he goes, and he's got the same questions that I have if I was going to do it, like, in front of you. So I thought that was a great way to kind of put me in the classroom. Like, like, hey, don't grab my foot like that. Grab it like this. I probably would have been grabbing the foot the same way he was. Mm -hmm. And uh, opposed to just watching you explain it, I could also watch you teach it, and I could also watch somebody else learn it. And I think that there's a – that's a really good teaching technique. Uh. Yeah, I think, um, you know, I, I really want people to get the material, material. So, you know, there's lots of different ways of teaching and learning. So um, I think just from, you know, I spent years teaching kids, years teaching white belts. And so, you know, that's the best way, you know, just involving the students in the learning process. You know, so many teachers, just they just talk to students. They Sometimes they talk down to students. And so um, I think especially with kids, like I always would meet them at their level. You know, one thing I would do, I wouldn't stand up and talk to them. I would always kind of either sit on the floor or cross down to them and look them eye to eye. And so I I think that's a very important part of uh, teaching is just, you know, of course, making the the content uh, interesting, but also just involving the students in the learning process and they're going to retain it. Like you're going to retain more information if I'm asking you questions and then like make you do the move. And then, you know, just, if I just, if if I just interact with you, you're going to do better, learn better. So what does that look like as far as involving, especially with the kids class, involving the students uh, with the technique? Are you, um, are you still demonstrating in front of the whole group? And then, how do you how do you start involving the the students after that? Yeah, uh, you know, just asking questions, and then like say there's one part of the technique where I know maybe one student's having trouble, or maybe all the students are having trouble. Usually, where someone has trouble, everyone else has trouble, and so I would just stop the class and then you know switch out with the student, and then maybe have another student help that student, or I would help the student. Um, I actually have some videos on Instagram. You can see like. Um, it's not kids, but it's like white belts. You see me interacting w- with white belts and like uh, just asking them questions and just trying to get them to think better. So I think um, I-, I think it's important. You don't. Well, I'm really good with my time management, so I I'll a lot time so that we can kind of converse about the technique. I try not to rush students, and you know I get I give them time to think and uh, just feel comfortable in a class. I'm sure you've been in a class where you're like, you didn't feel comfortable. You didn't know like, Oh, can I ask questions? 
so I already build that rapport with students so they can they feel comfortable asking me questions because you know say you're in a class with like Hicks and Gracie like I'll be kind of nervous to ask Hickson a question. I'll be like, oh, man, Hickson, <laughs> does he like me asking questions? So, like, going into my classes, I make it – it's just it's just how the class is. It's just it, they get comfortable asking me questions. I like that. That's, a, that's an important thing to do uh, as an instructor to establish that culture of it's okay to ask questions and I'm, I'm here for you. Um, you talked about time management. How do you – tell me about the – the I guess the breakdown of because for kids classes how do you manage that so how much time is spent doing each activity would you guess uh man I haven't t- taught kids in a while I'm, I'm gonna use a beginner's class as my example okay that's great uh so say I have an hour beginner's class um so I'm I'm very conscious of times because I know people have you know things to do maybe they have to go to work or they want to spend time with their families so I think uh at the core of my class is positional sparring so i had to i uh, usually at least 30 minutes 25 to 30 minutes i i want them to positional spar and you know especially with white belts i don't even have them switch too much i'll make a pair or maybe a group of three and i'll make them stay in that group so say you have like three big guys okay big guys you're together three small girls okay three small girls you're going to be in a group together and so once I've already established, okay, you're going to have 30 minutes of positional sparring, okay, uh, and then maybe five to 10 minutes at the end of class for questions, and then the rest I can spend on instruction and, and warm up. So uh, one thing I see with a lot of instructors, they you know, they don't start on time, so that makes the class either rush or get pushed push back or... Uh, you know, sometimes the instructor talks too long. I don't know if you've experienced that. I have where they're talking and like, you're like, dude, I want to roll. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, man, I'm always like the students are always doing something. Either they're training, getting a little bit of water or they're asking questions. So, like, my class is pretty action packed. Like, you're always like, <laughs> you got to be doing something. There's no, like, uh, downtime. Yeah. So how I, – I... I find value in the instructor, you know, taking a minute, like if you're showing uh, just, you know, guard retention, saying how important it is and that this is going to, you know, change your activity level from your guard. You're no longer going to have to play super conservatively. You could be more aggressive. You know, like just taking some time for that versus just showing the technique. Are you watching the students to see kind of their interest level or uh, you just keep it quick as far as the, 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 the conversation about the moves? not just demonstrating them? Uh, so I'll usually spend a lot of time on a topic. So uh, when I was teaching in Orlando, I would I had the white belts doing like closed guard for like six months. <laughs> so like they just like, they didn't, I mean, they didn't have a reference. Maybe with higher belts, they would have gotten bored and, you know, start complaining. Uh, but I was just able to keep the class pretty uh, on, just on one topic and interested in that topic. Um Cool. That's, I mean, that's, we forget that it, you have to keep your audience entertained, I guess. Like, yeah. you're not just teaching a class. You, you can't go up there and be a boring history teacher. Like, A, these people are here 
because they 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 enjoy it. They're here, you know. No one's making them do this. Yeah. Be, you learn better when you're interested, or if you can make it a little entertaining as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, man. Teaching like I remember like being a teenager and teaching like five year olds. It's like okay, come on, you gotta yell, <laughs> like, flip them around and stuff. It was so much work, but you you really learn a lot about just tension span. And so I'm very conscious of like the time. I'm conscious of when I'm, I feel like, Hey man, I'm talking too much. Like I have internalized that. And, uh, you know, I look at, I'm observing the class. You see someone like looking down at the mat or, you know, fidgeting or something that makes me speed up even faster. So, uh, there's little, like little hints and clues to like, okay, I need to speed up or change topics or do something else or. Alec, uh, you're a, uh, a, a busy guy, an active competitor. Um, what do you, and we're recording this uh, May 22nd, but what do you have plans provided that all the the coronavirus stuff kind of just takes a break this summertime, I guess. Do you have uh, plans or uh, competition or maybe seminar plans to, to teach? Mm-hmm. Um, what are your plans for the next few months? Uh, so my next three months, uh, you know, things have been pretty chill for me, uh, especially with uh, the things going on. I've actually been using this time to really, like, just work on my craft as far as just my, my video content. I think, you know, video going uh, for like, especially even now, like, it's all been online, a lot of, like, Zoom classes, online instructionals. So I really wanted to bring just higher quality quality to my videos, better audio. That's, like, the number one feedback i've heard for years like hey man need better audio so that's something i invested in i got a new camera so i i, I want to keep making good content or great content and then um there are a few tournaments especially in texas that's where uh the fight to win is based out of so i'm gonna try to get on the who's number one card if i can and then uh, I'm looking to go. I'm in, I'm in Atlanta, Georgia right now. So I'm, I'm looking to go visit my uh, guys in Sweden uh, probably next month if I can. Stay there for the summer and train with uh, John Thomas and some of the guys up there. So uh, that's that's pretty much my plan for the next three months. You know, just keep training like I am. Keep making great content and, you know, just trying to put out some good energy. That's awesome. Had had John on a few months ago. Um, you lived up there in Sweden for a while. Is that how long was that? Uh, yeah, I lived up there for about three years, and then okay. uh, I spent a lot of. I was roommates with John for a good bit too, so I got to spend a lot of time with him, and you know, just pick his brain and see how he works. So, uh, yeah, I learned a lot, man. Sweden, uh, going to Sweden, like really changed me, changed my life, really. Why? What what changed? Um, I just, you know, I think especially in America and the South, it's just it's so easy to just stay in a bubble. And then for me, like I just I got into like a rut where I was just, I would go train twice a day, and I wasn't teaching. I was just training. I was just training. wasn't making any money. I wasn't really doing much. And so when when I went to Sweden, that was like my first time outside of the country. And so different like culture and having to like make a way by myself away from my family and my friends. And so I I think it really forced me to mature. And, you know, I had to start teaching like for an academy full time. And I was also competing a lot, you know, 
doing like more international tournaments and then, uh, you know, making more content to kind of market myself while I was out there. So it really like opened my eyes to like, uh, what I needed to do to survive doing jujitsu and, uh, just realizing you can't just rely on your titles. You know, you have to put it, put in the work online and, you know, in the competition scene as well. You just can't, you just can't, there's, there's so many good guys that just train and they never talk about themselves. And, you know, if they're super good, maybe they blow up, but there's so many guys I know that are really great. You know, they, they have potential to win the world championships. Uh, but, but if they're not marketing themselves, like no one else is going to market them at their, at this point in their career. So I, I learned that lesson going, living in Sweden. Yeah. And you, uh, so I'll put a link to your Instagram is where's the best place to go to find you and to, to follow all the, I mean, you have so many techniques on there. Is that the best place to go is Instagram? Yeah, I'm everywhere, man. I'm on TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, uh, Twitter. <laughs> I'm everywhere, wherever you can find me. <laughs> uh, I think I, I'm pretty Wherever you are, on, he'll be there. <laughs> yeah, just find me, guys. Uh, I'm pretty active on Instagram. Um, you know, now it's just like a, a, it's like a habit. Like I just post on there as a habit. And my goal has just been to like, have great uh of course good quality but also good good topics so topics that are you know gonna really help people just from you know a one minute clip which most people can't really say yeah it's it's very impressive um so you're doing a lot of teaching on there i'm sure it's it's made your ability to teach a technique uh improve just by by doing it and thinking about it and, and breaking it down and do you have any uh, uh other instructionals coming up yeah, so I have a one I'm planning on now uh, for BJJ Fanatics, and I, I don't have a title for it, but hopefully it's going to be like something more geared towards uh, more geared towards uh, shorter grapplers playing open guard. So uh, it's something that I've been working on for a long time, and so to, uh, I'm I'm really happy to be at a point where I can like put something down pretty soon. So hopefully, guys, it'll be out. Uh, it won't be out by the time this airs, but in sometime next few months. Wow, that you know, I there's instructionals out there for a lot of things. You know, like the older grappler or smaller mm-hmm. guys beating big guys. I've never heard of anybody just about a shorter grappler. Like that's an amazing uh, market that hasn't been tapped. I think <laughs> that that people. I mean, some people wouldn't have much use for it, I guess, if you're taller. But really, even that, like, maybe I'll see what they're doing. Yeah, <laughs> what are you <laughs> it's guys just, doing? <laughs> yeah, but, it, but man, what what a thing to – what a resource uh, for for people who are a little bit shorter that, uh, that they could just tap into to your years of experience and, and knowledge. And I think that kind of goes back to using your body type. So it, it took me, like, years of, like, competing and – you know, there's times where I remember instructors were like, they would show a triangle and be like, oh, Alec, you can't, it's not for you, man. And so, like, uh, it took time to, like, kind of, even, like, John, like, John is a lanky for a featherweight. He's, like, the tallest featherweight in, in the world. Uh, so, like, you know, I had to modify. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's tall. <laughs> and, he's super, and he's flexible, like, man. Uh, so I had to, like, modify a lot of the techniques and, uh, you know, some things it took time. Like I had to get more, more, build, more mobility in my, my hips before I could do some of the moves. So, um, I think that helps being able to relate to like pe- people just, you know, a lot of people aren't flexible and they want to play open guard. So, uh, 
I think it helps to just have that time spent struggling, like all my years struggling, like it was worth, it was for something. So I'm really looking forward to this uh, DVD project. Is it going to be, I know it'll be for both, but are you going to film it in the Yi or no Gi, you think? Uh, I think it's going to be in the Gi to kind of balance out my no Gi. <laughs> my no Gi. Okay. I'm, I'm willing to, to bet that a lot of techniques will, will be uh, good without the Gi as well. Yeah, some. I mean, some of the stuff you need to sleep for, so. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, Sorry, no I mean, guys. <laughs> Uh, it's it yeah i mean just from watching your first one it, so much of that translated right over to the gi as far you know you would say hey don't put your foot here yeah, <laughs> without the gi on because they're gonna they're gonna take your leg um you know that you did a really nice job of explaining some of the differences and keeping that in mind and something i i, I plan on doing now it's like adding myself uh doing like positional sparring i think that's a great uh tool that you see, like Gordon Ryan, he'll do like the voiceovers of his techniques. So I, I, I want to add that kind of stuff too. And I think anything that gives people insight is going to help them. Yeah. So how do you learn from an instructional DVD or instructional video? Or do you sit down with a friend and go over it? Are you able to do you just watch it and go in and the gym and try it, or what's your process look like? I don't. I don't really watch watch too many instructionals. To be honest, I purchased uh, my friend. My friend Sergi. He had a uh, his was like mobility. <laughs> so I was. I purchased his uh, off BJJ Fanatics, but I don't really uh, watch too many people. Uh, you know, I might watch a competition footage and study that way. Um, and I do that for a few reasons. My biggest reason is because I don't want to uh, copy someone's technique. You know, I don't unless I'm like stuck on a position, I don't want to copy someone's uh, techniques, especially if I'm filming something. Uh, it's kind of like a it's not really good unless you, you, you like say, hey, I got this from John Thomas. I got this from Keenan Cornelius. Uh, so I, I just do that just so I can kind of give people my take on a move. Um, OK. But, I, you know, if someone wants to learn from an instructional uh, I think number one is don't watch it all in one sitting. <laughs> I saw that already. <laughs> it's like, you know, maybe 15 minutes, you know, pick one position and just, uh, or one section and just focus on that. Um, um, yeah, I, I think a lot of people, they just think they're going to, like they're consuming a book. <laughs> like they're going to sit sit and watch Danner Hur's eight hour uh, video in one sitting. <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah, you just, can't you can't binge watch jujitsu instructionals and and come away with it. <laughs> it's so boring. I remember like being a blue belt, and I we had a this is back in the DVD era. So I had like you know my friend would burn me some <laughs> you know maybe some matches and then you know some instructionals. And man, as soon as I put an instructional on, I would go to sleep. So like it's so wired in my brain. Like uh oh, I'm getting sleepy. Uh, but I suggest people watch tournament footage. Um, or you know what, man? Just go out there and positional spar. Like sometimes you gotta find answers for yourself. You know, maybe you know maybe a move that might work for like say someone like Lucas Lepre. He's the best guy in the world. But what you can't see is that Lucas has really good hip mobility, and that's something you won't know you won't notice in the video. It's something you only notice in person. So I think sometimes you gotta you know get inspiration from a video. But you, at the end of the day, you need to go and. Try the moves, guys. That's the best way to learn. Alec, you've talked about uh, mobility quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
as as far as gaining it and, and being able to. What was that? You're stretching right I'm now. I'm stretching right now. <laughs> okay, I was just going to ask you, kind of define what you mean by that, and and how how people could could gain more mobility. So I, I think people are familiar with flexibility, and so that's yeah. like. That's like you pulling your pulling your foot over your head. So using external sources to help move your body. And so mobility is just using your body's strength. So me putting my foot behind my head, just using the muscles in my leg is mobility. And uh, especially as people get older, you guys got to develop good mobility because it's going to help prevent injuries. And um, it, it, it's going to just make you stronger in those guard positions. Uh you know, somebody I've gotten injured before because my hamstrings or my calves were tight, and then I kind of went at a weird angle, and then oh, that you know hurt my knee, and I was out for a few months. Uh, so I, I think if you want longevity in this sport, uh, mobility is going to be super important, and just making your body those ligaments strong, and those you know jujitsu is such a weird sport. We do such crazy things, so. You always need to repair your body, guys. You know, don't just break it down. I see, especially young guys, I see them like training. I used to do this stuff too, but like training twice a day, seven days a week, lifting three or four times a week, you know, no rest days. And uh, it's just not sustainable unless you got uh, some good, uh, some good uh, supplements. You know, you just can't, <laughs> you can't, you can't do all that for very long, at least. So, Mobility has more uh, more elements to it. I guess. You mentioned flexibility, and then you like also has to do. Would balance be in the equation, or um, familiarization with with a technique? Maybe like do all these things kind of add up to to make you more mobile? Yeah, and uh, you know sometimes some of the moves like it helps to have more mobility. It's just uh, I don't want to stick to keep you safer, but it's going to allow you to do more techniques. You know, if you had like the hip mobility of like uh, Mike, uh, Mikey Muzumeci, like you're going to be able to do a lot more techniques and uh, things that uh, not someone that doesn't have mobility couldn't do. You know, you're just you're going to be limited. Uh, you don't want to limit yourself and your your body's range of motion. Um, like the more open you are, you know, in jujitsu, like. Some of the scariest guys are like those super flexible freaks, and you're like, Jesus Christ, where? How do I pass this kid's guard? You're like, uh, there's no way. Uh, so I think, you know, you don't have to be super mobile, but you just want to be for for yourself. You want to have good mobility. Yeah, and that, that's and, and that's a that's a big thing. Not just flexibility, not just strength, but but the mobility. We're moving here <laughs> in, in this sport. And to be able to move effectively in the way you want, because I'll see, I still see some techniques, and I'm like, okay, let's try that, and I can't get my body to do what I want it to mm-hmm. do. That's a mobility issue, and it may yeah. come down to me not being flexible in that area, or maybe not being strong enough in that area, or something. But if your body's not doing what you want it to do, uh, you're being stopped by your mobility issues. You mentioned that you're stretching right now. What were you doing when uh, you said that? Just sitting in a in a stretching position, or I'm doing like a straddle, like my legs out. Um, I think just, it's just gotta become a habit, you know? Yeah. Um, you know, we can do yoga. There's yoga for BJJ. There's this thing called GMB fitness where they do like more like movement skills. I think anything that gives you, gets you moving, uh, because jujitsu can break your body down. So I, uh, you just got to rebuild your body guys. Keep your body 
safe and moving well, feeling good. Alec, you, uh, jiu-jitsu, that's your job. You're uh, one of the top uh, competitors in jiu-jitsu. When did it become serious for you? Um, when did you make that? Was it a decision? Was it a gradual thing? Was it a particular tournament that you did well at? Um, was there was there a day or a, a, an event that you decided to, that this was going to be what you're going to do? Uh, I think I was working like a retail job, like uh, selling like yoga pants. <laughs> it was not a bad job. It was a good job. <laughs> uh, I just realized, you know, I think if jujitsu is in your heart, or you know. You can substitute whatever's if something's in your heart and like your life keep, keeps pushing you in a certain direction. I think, um, you know, you could be stubborn about it, or you can like uh, you can like go all in. You know, um, I think for me, I just got to a point where I had already won some stuff in jujitsu, and then like to in order to get to the next level, like I I knew I had to uh, become more serious put more energy, more time and thought into my practice. And so uh, I think for me, it's just, it just got to a point where I had to make a decision like, man, if I want to get to the next level, I got to train twice a day. I need to like really, really put myself into this. Like if you have one foot in one foot out, like that might work for some certain things. Uh, but especially when you're young, sometimes you just got to be passionate and go and just go for it. You know, a super hard, and I, I realize not everyone can do that kind of thing. I, I know for me, like my family helped helped me so much in like having a place to stay and having good education to where I could like a, even attempt to do something like this. Um, you know, not everyone has that ability. You know, if you have like a family to feed or like say you grew up in you know worse circumstances where like you had to work like super young, you know, it would be really hard to kind of pursue this lifestyle. So I understand that it's, uh, I don't want to say it's a luxury, but I'm, I'm very fortunate to be able to even just try to let, make this uh, lifestyle work. Um, that's something I worry about with a lot of younger people. Uh, you know, there's a lot of people in jiu-jitsu that like, they go full in, like they don't even go to school. Like there's kids that like, they just they're doing jujitsu full time as like teenagers, like young teenagers, and then they might not have anything to uh, I don't want to say fall back on, but just other skills uh, that they've worked on. So like my background, I went to college and I have like a college degree, and I spent time outside of jujitsu working and um, trying to make that work. So uh, I just realized that you know I had to give jujitsu a try, and uh, I've been doing jujitsu pretty much full time since like 2015, uh, like making a living through jujitsu. Um, it hasn't always been easy. Uh, but I think, uh, there's not, there's nearly, I was thinking about this recently. Like I, I was thinking like, what would I need to be happy? And for me, like I'm already pretty happy. Like I, I don't think there's really much else, maybe have a little bit more money, but outside of that, like I, I'm already really happy with my life, my lifestyle, you know, being able to, Hey, uh, I mentioned like, I want to go to Sweden for three months. Like there's not a lot of people that can do that or have the connections to do that. So, uh, yeah, I mean, you're going to know, I think if you have, if you know yourself, like you're going to know, you're going to know what's right for yourself. Like 
for me, like working at a desk job nine to five, like I, I tried, I did like an internship for a summer and I was like, I hate this. And so I kind of realized like, you know, just do something that I really enjoy. And then, uh, you know, I'll, I, I'll do what it takes to make this work. So that, that kind of goes back to the instructionals and posting so much content. Yeah. So, uh, that, that, I'll talk for a long that's, time, guys. <laughs> no, that's, that's awesome. <laughs> and, and, and you guys go follow him on in whatever social media that you're on. <laughs> you do post a lot of content and that's truly a labor of love as far as, uh, supporting and helping the community. Um, I used to post more. I, I slowed myself down. <laughs> I was posting like three <laughs> times a day, and I was like, you know, man, wow. maybe I should give people a break. <laughs> they don't like me that well, much. <laughs> <laughs> we, we appreciate you out there. One thing I'm asking people, especially the, the competitors out there, um, how do you deal with a loss? And I think that's an interesting question because it kind of, whether you're competing or not, we're all going to have things that don't go our way in life and, and to see how people deal with those, I think is helpful on and off the mat. So Alec, how do you deal with a loss? Uh, I used to be hard on myself. Um, I remember one year I was a Brown belt and I, I think my first year of Brown belt, I got like second place at pans or something. And I was like, I was talking to one of the guys I, I fought and we were just talking. And then my instructor came over and he's like, man, you should have won, man. Uh, so there's been times where I like I really thought about my losses a lot. I think for me, like I re- I lost my last tournament I did in Miami to a really good kid, uh, Daquan out of uh, Maryland. I think he's one. I don't know if he trains at Crazy Eighty Eight or Lloyd Irvins, uh, but he's one of those. He's a really good kid, and man, I just like I had so much fun. Like I'm having so much more fun at competing now than I ever did. So. You know, if I lose, I'm like, man, I'm going to come back and do better the next time. So I'm really just comparing myself uh, to myself. I'm just, what did I do last time? Okay, I did better. Okay, I didn't get caught in that sweep. Okay, I, I played my guard. I retained my guard. So uh, I just focus on what I, what I did really well. And then, um, you know, I don't beat myself up too much because you guys got to realize that a lot of luck goes into winning these tournaments. You know, sometimes the ref not on your side. Sometimes, like, maybe you had to cut weight so you're kind of off or some other hundred billion different reasons and so i think you just got to get pick yourself back up guys and get back out there and you know what if you you stay consistent you know one day is going to be your day and um i don't know if you've ever experienced that before but like one day where everything clicks you're like yeah this is my i got this and then uh you know i I always kind of because i've experienced that feeling in the past like i know like okay if i keep working hard man i'm gonna catch that that perfect day where I feel good. I'm on fire. I'm sharp. And then I know on that day I can beat anybody. So, um, don't beat yourself up guys. You know, it's, it's a luxury to compete. There's some people that, you know, they're sick. They don't have the health to compete. They don't have the money to compete. So I always think back to that, like, man, I'm lucky to be competing. This is my job. Like, okay, it's not bad. <laughs> I'm gonna go out here and buy a little <laughs> bit, take some pictures. Like, man, it's fun. So, yeah, I think uh, a lot of people beat themselves up a little too hard. It might be different if it's like Spider Invitational where it's like $100,000 on the line. Okay, maybe I might be a little sad then. But if it's like a little tournament where I paid to compete, I'm not going to worry too much. Yeah, that, that's that's good advice. Um, I think people could take that to heart. Uh, one more thing here before I let you go. On your Instagram <clears throat> uh, page, uh, on like a little bio thing, it says – 
helping people through jujitsu, not helping people <laughs> at jujitsu or with jujitsu. It's helping helping them through jujitsu. Uh, what do you mean by that? And why was that the 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 thing that you wish to tell somebody about yourself? Because I think that's awesome. I think uh, you know you know the little bio. You don't have so many words uh, you can yeah. use. So I think like that's just me. That's who I am. Like. Uh, I'm so fortunate to do jiu-jitsu and, you know, so many people have helped me, you know, John Thomas has helped me, my family's helped me, I've had so many people help me, and, uh, you know, I just want to give back what I can, I think, I think a lot about my legacy in jiu-jitsu or just life, like, I want people to remember that I was passionate, passionate about something, and I just tried to help people, and, um, uh, I think that's, Especially nowadays, you know, so many people, especially online, man, there's so many like uh, crazy people in jujitsu and it, it can be overwhelming because those crazy people are sometimes the biggest known people in jujitsu. So I think, uh, I don't know, it's just, it's just my, the way I perceive jujitsu is like a way for people to better themselves and help others. So uh, that's what I keep promoting. Wow, that that is awesome, and I think it's a it's a great way to kind of wrap up our interview. Uh, any final thoughts for anybody, or final words you'd like to leave people with? I just want to thank everybody for the support. You know, uh, every view, every like, every comment. Uh, they they really help, especially athletes. They really help athletes. Uh, you know, such a tough sport. Um, you know, the losses can be pretty tough. And, um, I think just, just interacting with, with people, it's helped me so much just being more humble. Uh, you know, I'm on Reddit and on Instagram and I, you know, I try to interact with people. So I, I think, um, I just want to thank people, everyone that's reached out to me and helped me or said a kind word. Uh, I just really appreciate, appreciate it all. And, um, that's it, man. I'm just very thankful for everything I have. And, you know, I want to keep putting out good content and helping people and, competing and doing jujitsu as, as long as I can. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm with you there. And uh, th- thank you for the interview and, and go check out Alec Balding on uh, social media. And I highly recommend his uh, keeping uh, the guard uh, instructional with BJ fanatics. And, and I'm sure your next one's going to be great. Uh, I got to get that one as well. So I'm not, I'm not, I'm 5'11". I'm not tall, but I'm not short either. I'm kind of in the middle. And I think that that's hey, a listen, great... listen, you're under six uh, feet, you're short, man. <laughs> okay, I'm short guy. <laughs> but I think it's it's going to be uh, nice for me to be able to go up to a teammate and say, hey, you know, this is what Alec is doing. You know, like mm-hmm. kind of have that knowledge bank um, that I can learn from you there. I think that's going to be a great tool. So uh, I'm looking forward to that one as well. Byron, thank you, man. Guys, I really enjoy Alex's attitude and his 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 personality. I guess you know he's not just an amazing grappler; he's he's really uh, a valuable member to the community, uh, promoting positive uh, things in jiu-jitsu and and sharing his jiu-jitsu uh, so willingly. So really excited to bring him back on. He's always a welcome guest. And uh, Alex, thank you for the interview, and uh, appreciate you on, my friend. So guys, we have a, just like normal, we have an article of the week, and this is on KennyKimBJJ.com. The article is titled, Why Are You Paying So Much For Your Kid To Train Jiu-Jitsu? 
So it's one of those question title things. And he lists a lot of reasons. If we want to pick out a couple each and and just hammer them in. But uh, I really think this is a big one that prevents parents from starting jujitsu or maybe going past the the first, you know, maybe you, you do, you know, sign up, get two months for the price of one and a free gi or something like that. And then after those two months they're done, like they fail to realize the value that, that is being, uh, given to this, to their, uh, children or the students. So I, I appreciate this article. It's, it's, we'll put a link in the show notes to it. If you want to check out the whole list, and I think it's a good thing for coaches to look at as well. Yeah. And Byron, you know, that's the one thing I hear about all the time is, you know, jujitsu. It's expensive. I hear people tell me they're not going to start training. Um, they want to, but it's just too too expensive to them. I, uh, you know, kids, uh, do I want to train myself, sign up my kids? It's too expensive. I hear that all the time. And, uh, you know, I love this article. This is, you know, this may be my favorite article we've ever went over. And, uh you know, there's just so many positive things, uh, you know, why, uh, you know, my kids, why I'm paying so much for my kids to train jujitsu. And personally, I don't think it's so much, uh, um, you know, I don't think it's, you know, some places aren't overbearing with the, the price they charge, but you know, this isn't just, uh, you know, for your kids, every one of these, uh, things Kenny Kim talks about is also, you know, benefits an adult. You know, this is going to, you know, these benefits don't just go for the kids. It's going to help me in my real life, in my job, in my family. Um, so, man, I, I love this article. Yeah, Gary, I think it's a great article, too. And I want to start by making a point that's not in the article, but it applies to every single article. Um, you know, in my industry, I've seen this happen on the ships many times where, like, the night captain will have an issue with one of the deckhands on his rotation or something, and he'll talk to the master of the vessel about it. And the master will usually say, you know, I'll deal with it. Let me be the bad guy. You know, you've got to maintain a working relationship with these guys. And and he'll take the disciplinary steps if they need to be taken. And uh, as a parent, when my kids were little, I found the same thing, like, Point number one here is uh, it says I, I pay for uh, someone to motivate my kid, make them keep working when they're tired and they want to quit. You know, that's one of the points. And as a parent, you can do that, too. You can bring the kid home and you can do a workout routine or or uh, chores or whatever you want. And you can motivate the kid to keep working while he's tired. But sometimes those teaching moments don't go so well between a parent and a kid. And it has the potential to put a lot of extra uh strife and friction in your relationship and so when you can have somebody else take on some of those hard tasks and help you as a parent develop these attributes in your kid i find that to be extremely valuable joe i love that one you know so true um and not just the friction part but for some reason my son will always take instruction better you know from somebody else a teacher uh professor uh a jujitsu instructor than me um you know even if uh I feel like I know more, you know, let's take basketball for an instance, you know, there's been some basketball coaches that don't really know a ton of basketball, but I, I totally respect it. They're volunteering their time. They're teaching the kids and, and I mean, you can't go wrong with that, but so I'll try to teach my kid, uh, you know, how to play defense and, you know, getting the correct stance or triple threat position. And, you know, my son 
won't necessarily listen to me as much as you'll listen to that coach. Uh, and uh, so, yeah, I, I'm loving, you know, handing my, my kid off to a coach for a little while. And I didn't even think about the part of being the bad person with that friction. But uh, that's a really good point, Joe. I'd like to say I, I had an opportunity to win the Internet, but uh, Byron already did that today, so... You know, I was actually thinking I almost gave two internet ones. Um, can't, can't, can't have two winners on the same. This, this isn't one of those sports where everybody gets participation trophy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, Joe, I'm going to take the second one. You know, I pay for those days when my son or daughter comes home from school and is too tired, too sore to go to practice, but goes anyway. You know, there's discipline. Um, and I, I'm going to go back to. You know, not just son and daughter. How many times have you done that, Joe? Um, Byron, I know you have. And, and you know, that's not just helping us on the mat. That's that's teaching us. Uh, how many times, Byron, have you not wanted to go to work? Joe, how many times have you been tired? I mean, Byron sends Joe and I an email, says we're, we're recording at 8 a.m. on a Sunday. Uh, you know, I'd like to sleep in. Um, but, you know, jiu-jitsu has taught me a lot of lessons. Uh, I don't quit. Um, I keep going. My son doesn't quit. My son keeps going. My daughter doesn't quit. My daughter keeps going. It's uh, great lessons that are going to help us in life. And when we become parents, uh, you know, whatever we do in life is just going to uh, really, really you know, be beneficial to us. Yeah. It's, it's, that's a big lesson to learn that that you can dig down deep and surprise yourself. Cause I know a lot of times I'm, I'm tired from work. I had a long night and trainings in the morning and I like, Oh, I'm going to get down there. And sometimes I do pretty good and I, and I, and I learn something, you know, that's important to me or I, I perform well. Like, I'm surprised sometimes with, with how things go. Many times it doesn't happen that way, but nothing happens if I don't go train. Um, I, I'll go down the list here. These aren't numbered, so we can't really refer to number eight or twenty or whatever. But <clears throat> I oh, pay Byron, for the. You, you when you uh, publish this, you could put ones and twos next to it. It's not on my website. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but uh, Kenny Kim is saying here, I pay for son slash daughter to learn to deal with disappointment when he or she doesn't get what uh, they want or they hope for. But he goes back week after week and gives it the best shot. Uh, I think that's that's a good one. It's like, like uh, you guys are just saying, this isn't one of those podcasts where everybody gets to win the internet every week. I have this is my first week. We're on episode uh, what is this three hundred and fifty seven. I finally won the internet. <laughs> yeah, but wait, uh, real quick, I did make a mistake because Joe's was better, and I gave one out too early. But uh, that's just, hey. Sometimes Joe could file a grievance, but yeah. you know we'll that's put the ast- referee made his decision. We'll put an asterisk next to it. We'll, we'll go back <laughs> and we'll re-record the quote part to make Byron happy. And this week's quote's going to be: "Sometimes it's better to be lucky than to be good." <laughs> <laughs> but I, you know, I do think it's super important to learn to deal with disappointment and and to build that up because that's that's a thing that you don't want your first disappointment to be, you know, when you're an adult, you know, like you, a lot of kids really are averse to dealing with failure and they just avoid it. They do easy things, easy things, easy things. Even if it's just as easy for your kid at the beginning, which that's some kids pick it up better than others, but it's a hard thing. And, and all kids that go to just will have some hard days and, or have some tough roles. And I think that's super important to learn. 
you know, I'm going to take a point near the bottom here. And it's uh, I pay for the opportunity for my son or daughter uh, to make lifelong friendships, create lifelong memories and to be as proud of their achievements as I am. And I want to back up and say that what I really like about this article is there's nothing in here about I pay for my son and daughter to uh, take lessons from the greatest jujitsu mind in the state of Texas, or I pay for my son and daughter to get bigger, stronger, and faster and become a better athlete or be a champion. There, it's not about jujitsu necessarily. It's about becoming a, a better person and, you know, building a good foundation on as you're a kid, these are kids. And if they learn these lessons early in life, man, they're going to be so far ahead. And, uh, so yeah, the opportunity to make those friends, create those memories and, to, to start to learn to work for something, achieve it, and then be proud of that. And I think that's a, that's one of the things that makes jiu-jitsu worth the money. That's a big one, uh, Joe. It's so important who your, who your kids' friends end up being. And if you're able to put them in a room with, with other kids who parents thought about it and thought it was an important investment to jiu-jitsu and they're, they're you know, wanting the best for their kids – you put that your kid in that room, have them make friends with that person versus maybe the you know the neighborhood uh, troublemaker and kids or whoever it might be. You know, like it's looking back, my friends were just I had some really great friends as a, a kid, but they were all just it was luck. It was who I who I live next to. Wait, you and had if you're able to cultivate, well, I called them friends, but they were usually mean. <laughs> no. Um, but it, it, I mean to take the element of just just dumb luck, and as far as well, who do you live next to? That's who you're who you're going to play with. Who I'm going to try to do some basketball with, or who we're going to play football in the front yard with, and 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 say, okay, let's put this this kid with with these other kids who are serious about personal development and growth and learning a martial art, and you know some I, I don't talk to any of my childhood uh, neighborhood friends. Uh, you know, I think I have a few of them on Facebook or whatever, but my wife has several friends that she, I think, had in her kindergarten class, maybe first or second grade. Like, she still talks to them on a fairly regular basis. Some of these friendships are super important and will follow you, you know, throughout your adult life. And, and that's a really awesome thing. Just to think that you take your kid to jiu-jitsu, they end up making a friend that they hang out with for 75 years. That's crazy. There's no price you can put on that. <laughs> Gary, when Byron was a kid, uh, him and his friends used to play this game called Which Teacher Today? And Byron's friends would lock him in a locker, and then they'd see which teacher was the one that let him out that day. I always suspected the teachers knew I was in there, and they would just not not let me out anyway. They they had a game going, too. (laughs) (laughs) Which administrator is going to get him out? (laughs) Man, that was rough days back then. Well, there, there are several here. Gary, you want to cover any more? Or are we pretty good with this one? There's, well, you know, I like the one uh, that talks about hard work. Uh, yeah, you know, jujitsu. And Byron, you mentioned something earlier, like you know, maybe a, a kid catches on real quick, but but most really probably are not going to catch on real quick. And you know, and you know, it's a tough sport, and it takes a long time to to go from belts. It's stuff's not given to you just like in the real world you have to earn it you have to take your time and and that's one thing i I really enjoy about this sport is uh you know everything is earned nothing is given 
and you have to work hard, which, uh, you know, I'm going to go back to life. That's, that's how we're going to succeed in life by, you know, having a work ethic and just digging in and just doing it. And, um, you know, I just love that. It's, you know, you're not just going to show up and get A's. Um, you know, you're going to show up and you're going to get exercise. You're going to hang out with your buddies. But for you to progress, you do have to put in that work. You do have to do your homework. And what I mean by that is you have to do what the te- what your professor, what your teacher is showing you. You know, you can't be off, uh, you know, you know, messing around with your friends and not doing the drills and not working on the moves. And uh, if you do that, you are going to fall behind, uh, just like regular class. But uh, you have to pay attention. You have to work hard. You have to show up, uh, which, you know, it's kind of we talked about that for another one. Um, and, uh, you know, the rest is history. And jujitsu, I just want to go back to the hard work, but. You know, we just talked about showing up and showing up is half the battle. And, you know, that is hard work. You know, we talked about being sore, being tired, not wanting to come. Um, But, man, if you just show up and pay attention, very easy things to do, you are going to get better. You are going to keep progressing along that line towards that black belt or whatever your goal is. Um, You're just going to keep progressing and get there someday. And uh, the... Because it is such a long journey, it is so rewarding each time you get some type of achievement or an award. Um, you know, it makes it really, uh, really special. Yeah, that's that's uh, good points, Gary. We'll put a link to this. It's on KennyKimBJJ.com. Kenny Kim, check him out. Check him out. Check out his gym if you happen to be in the Marietta, Georgia area, which is where I went to high school. Um you know, check them out. If I was still living in Marietta, Georgia, I would be training with Kenny Kim. Yeah, it looks like he has a great academy there. All right, guys. Uh, before uh, <laughs> we we end this, I, I do want to give you everybody a heads up. We've been a, I would say, super consistent show over the years, basically doing an episode once a week for 357 episodes. <laughs> wow, that's that's pretty that's pretty crazy. And and this is not our job. This is not a you know, a moneymaker. Um you can go on Patreon and see how much how many Patreon supporters we have. This is a this is a hobby and this is the, the hobby pays for itself, which is nice, but other than that, you know, like a, Joe and Gary uh, say they get paid weekly, and sometimes I'll double the salary from zero to also zero. Like this is a this is a passion project, and uh, and and that's that, that's that's fine. We I think we all enjoy doing this this podcast, but the I think I I'm interested in moving the show uh, in a different direction from a weekly show that's largely interview based. Um, it and. I, not that I don't enjoy that. It's just, it's like every week I start off, okay, I have an interview, you know, on, on Tuesday and, and then I'll record with you guys on Sunday and at some time in that I got, I'm going to edit it and, and we work a week or two ahead. So it's a, it's a nice flow, but it takes a lot of uh, time and, and energy. And it, I, the, where I want to take this show is a different place as far as I want to uh, kind of take it with a direction where we're either telling stories or investigating a topic uh, a little differently. And 
uh, my I guess my first example of this that I'm working on now, and I've already been working on it for two weeks, and I'm not ready to publish anything, <laughs> is the story of Helio Gracie and Kimura, and and what happened in that match, what happened leading up to it, what were the ramifications of it, and I think it's a really interesting story that I think anybody would find fascinating, not just the hardcore jujitsu fans. Uh, I found myself often watching a little sports documentary about a sport I don't care about at all. Uh, I watched this thing on some uh, strongman competition a few weeks ago with my wife. Neither one of us care at all about strongman competitions. But it was like, did this guy cheat? And they they showed you how uh, that was and, and, and what happened. And, and you know, we kind of learned a little bit about it. And did, did he cheat or not? You know, that was, that was an interesting story. But... I'm not a strongman fan. I think the story of Helio Gracie and Kimura could be told in a way that anybody would say, this is, this is really neat. Hey, what's this jiu-jitsu thing? And, and maybe grow jiu-jitsu from that perspective as far as just get more people introduced to jiu-jitsu. The thing is, it, like I said, I've already been working on this, this story, and I have a few other ones on the uh, side burner that I'm collecting information on. But I can't do one of those every week. It's just not possible. The uh, amount of uh, reading I have and the amount of uh, story development and, and kind of organizing my, my thoughts around something like that, it's not a fast process. It's not as simple as, as calling somebody and, and interviewing them and, and recording on the, on the weekend like we're doing now, Sunday morning, like Gary said. So <laughs> if, if I'm going to do this other style of podcast, and I feel like there's a lot of really good interview podcasts out there. So if you want to hear an interview with somebody, it's getting done. I think when we first started this podcast, uh, there was hardly anything like that being done. I think it was uh, a niche that needed to be covered. Now, I, th- I think the story aspect of, of some of the things or some investigation uh, aspect with Jiu-Jitsu is, is something that's really not being done. I think we could give it a shot. Maybe it doesn't work. Maybe you know in a month we're back up to doing what we've been all been doing for these, these several years. But I really am interested in doing it this it's what's kind of pulling me and my natural fascination with with learning things about jujitsu and and history and behind the scenes stuff so uh that being said we have nothing scheduled for next week and and or the week after that (laughs) but we're not going away we still could easily do our end of the month topic episodes that's I think we we all hop on here. We have a little bit of notes. We have a great time. The audience always loves those episodes. You guys always have great responses towards those. And uh, that's literally the recording time that it takes to do that is how much time and energy it really takes. You know, a little bit of prep work and taking some notes together and a little bit of work with, you know, editing the audio a little bit. But that's a very efficient way to podcast. But uh, the other way that I'm going to be doing... Uh, as far as learning about you know this example of Kimura and Helio Gracie, that takes a lot of time. And then to make a story, and then to record the story and produce it, and this will be a more more polished uh, type of product that you could share with people who don't do jiu-jitsu, I think. Anyway, I can't do that every week. Uh, I don't think anybody would expect that to happen every week. So we're just kind of moving away from the weekly format, and when we do publish something, uh, I think you'll you'll enjoy it. Uh, possibly, you know, it, it just at a different angle. But uh, also, I do a bad job of promoting the podcast. <laughs> if you like, we don't. <laughs> we just put out episodes, and 
that's about it. And I think that this that this style of podcast will be easier to promote as far as I'll have some time to to do that and and to uh, get the word out about this the particular episode. So and and I have to talked to Gary and Joe about this. If they want to interview somebody, go for it, guys. That's that and that's something that we could still uh, produce and and get out there. If somebody pops on the radar and I say, "Wow, I really want to talk to this person," I'm going to do that. We're going to produce an interview. It's not going to be. Um, you know, that's not taken away from us. It's just not going to be our central focus anymore. Yeah. I just uh, want, I just want to clear something up for our listeners real quick, Byron, cause I'm sure there's many people at this point that are going to be concerned about the massive loss of income that Gary and I will be <laughs> experiencing during this. Don't fret. Uh, Gary and I just signed a, a new five-year contract a couple months ago. Uh, we, wow. we get paid weekly, whether an episode comes out or not. So we're okay, guys. Yep, and plus we uh, got our stimulus check, so we're good. You got stimulated. <laughs> I'm check. always stimulated when I talk talk with Byron. Oh uh, shoot, <laughs> that's a whole different issue. <laughs> but uh, you know, so I don't know. I, I hate to disappoint anybody. We we do have a very loyal fan base, and part of that is that you know monday morning or whatever the times when you're in it comes out you're able to download it and listen to it on your way to work uh sorry guys on that i i just don't think i could keep the pace we have going and take the show where i, I want it to go in, in the future so uh we'll see this thing is it's all up in the air it's it's subject to be revisited or or changed or maybe we do have an episode next week because uh, something happened that we want to discuss right away but uh i think i'm going to be spending a significantly larger time researching and constructing shows than I had been doing interviews and, and that sort of thing. But uh, Bart, we'll see. I just got a yes. uh, tweet uh, from one of our listeners who's listening live right now. And okay. let me just read it here. Byron, maybe you could quit your job so you could quit your job as a firefighter sorry so you could spend more time not only researching you know the topic but still doing interviews uh how about that byron how about that (laughs) uh interesting idea i i really can't live on the the money that we make uh every podcast and i really enjoy my job and and I'm and I'm really like i really enjoy interviewing people and meeting people that's that's also thing but i'm really enjoying doing research and learning about uh these different topics that i'm studying and and, and that sort of thing and and i don't even know if helio versus kamora will be the next uh topic we have or next kind of uh episode we have but it's it's what i'm working on now i've i've worked on some stuff and put it on the side burner you know that's one thing i do admire about you byron is you you always have that thirst for knowledge. Um, you know, you do like to learn. You're always learning new stuff. You're always uh, putting new goals up there. And uh, like you said, you'll learn more in depth, uh, you know, doing research. And, uh, you know, I do admire that about you. And you got to be, I mean, just a part of this is just be willing to see if this works. It might not work at all. I, we might take, so we'll still do our end of the month episodes. Um, we might come back with that. This next thing you hear, and then uh, another full month, and I can't piece this thing together. And we just don't do that, and we go back to doing interviews. I don't <laughs> like that. We're taking uh, a look at making a change, and we'll see if it works, and we'll adapt and 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 do what we're going to do. But I don't know. Any thoughts, guys? Other than that, nope. Looking forward to a paid vacation. 
pay the same anyway. Yeah, you know, I I, I talk frequently on the show about uh, other um, topics that I'm interested in and, and that I watch uh, YouTube or uh, listen to podcasts. And I mentioned Five Watt World, which is a guitar channel uh, a, a episode or two ago. And that guy's got a whole series of like a brief history of the Stratocaster, a brief history of the, you know, uh, Telecaster. And and that takes a lot of research. And he's alluded to that as well. Uh, but they're very smooth, very professionally done. I find them really informative and I enjoy the heck out of them. So honestly, I do agree, Byron, this is going to be a lot of work for you. I appreciate your work ethic and, and I think it's going to be a good product and people are going to like it. Yeah, I, I want to reiterate, Joe said, um, you know, I, I know I just talked about, uh, you know, I admire you for, you know, you're always trying to learn, but I, I do think people will enjoy it. Um, you know, I, there is a little bit of uncertainty right now, but, uh, you know, how can you not, we're still talking about jujitsu, but uh, a little different way of going about it, but a, a lot more in depth. Yeah, or just a side angle or a side story or something like that. Anyway, guys, <laughs> I think we've explained it well enough, I'm sure. So we'll be getting emails uh, the Monday that we miss an episode, I'm sure, of that, that people who didn't actually finish this one to hear this will say, hey, what what's going on? Do we miss this week or whatever? Like, uh, So I'll refer to this episode or I'll probably just politely say, hey, we're, we're taking the show a little different angle. Uh, refer to 357 and the, towards the end to uh, learn about that. But uh, you guys are super important to us. We, over the years, have gotten to know many of you, uh, many of the listeners, and it feels like we know many more just with small interactions online. So, uh, you know, we, we uh, what that drove me crazy is when a podcast like ours, who has been super consistent every week, just goes away. <laughs> I don't the, – the, so at least we're having that discussion. Like we may not be here next week or maybe even the week after that, but we're not just going to go away. We, we, sh- we should be here to do the end of the month episode and, and, and maybe an update about what's happening with the actual, with the other style of episodes. We don't, we have to just name those as well, but, uh, I don't just want to just disappear and you guys and leave you totally hanging, like give you a high five and where'd they go? <laughs> so anyway, uh, we also have a Patreon page. You can support us. It's a per episode thing. So if we produce one episode per month or maybe two, uh, you know, you charge a couple of bucks and we'll, I'll mail you at a five inch BJJ brick gi patch and a sticker. You could join the private Facebook group as well and get some behind the scenes action. And, uh, guys, the, the Patreon team has been a tremendous support to the podcast. Absolutely. Appreciate all of you, man. Appreciate those who can't, uh, contribute as well, but the Patreon supporters have saved the show at least once, probably a couple of times. That, that that is true uh guys whether we're here or not next week stay sweaty my friends and byron really didn't win the internet today <laughs> <laughs> and man i hope things are opening up wherever you live and you're able to tra- train with some other people but uh train smart and get better we'll see you on the mats Gary, Gary giveth the internet, and Gary taketh away <laughs> the internet award. Absolute power, what leads to absolute corruption. <laughs> you know, you should you should have cut Joe out of this as soon as you want it, Byron. <laughs> yeah. hey, we lost Joe. Joe's audio. Thank you for listening. I hope you find the time today to roll. After all, the best way to get better at Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is to do. Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. 
you can visit our website at pjjbrick.com. For more good times, swing by and like our Facebook page. Our email is bjjbrick at gmail.com. Opponents' mistakes is key. So sometimes it's just coming at you fast and you just got to deal with it correctly and eventually things will go around, turn around. Right, Gary? Actually, I just got back on, so I don't know anything you talked about. <laughs> throw, throw, throw it to me, Joe. He's, throw it to me. Uh, uh, what, do you, what do you think about that, Byron? Yeah, I, I like this quote. I think we've had this quote uh, years ago. This is Matt Tales. We bring you amazing jujitsu stories. The stories might be funny, unfortunate. It could be about an epic fail or an epic win. So sit back, my friend, relax, dry off your sweat from rolling, and enjoy Matt Tales. My son and I both have fallen in love with jujitsu. His class is an hour before mine, so I sit and watch his, and then he'll sit and watch my class. Well, during the kids' class, one of the kids got up and said that they saw a mouse. This caused quite a commotion. That's when my son chimed in and said, There's no mouse hole. How could we have a mouse without a hole in the wall? Well, I understand his logic, but I knew that he was probably wrong. Because I am good at getting rid of mice. And this was my time to shine. This was my declaration of war with the mice that have invaded our gym. I told the children I would go to the Walmart down the street and get some traps to get rid of our unwanted guests. The kids did not like this idea. They wanted a way to get rid of the mice without hurting them or killing them. I said I would see what I could do. And I left for Walmart right away. They still had 30 minutes left in their class, and I could get this task done before it was my time to get on the mat. And sure enough, Walmart had a special type of a trap that looks a bit like a tube. The mouse would go to the back of the tube, and the front of the tube would have a door that would trap the mouse safely. So I bought two of these traps. As the commander in this little mouse battle, I wanted to start aggressively with two traps took them to the troops, also known as the kids' class, and they were quite excited to set the traps in the location that they thought was the most strategic. During the adult class, the kids that stayed to watch their parents train talked a lot about mice and strategized about uh, what might happen during this mouse battle we had just began to wage. The next day, we showed up to class the same time as the instructor just to check our traps as quick as we could. And sure enough, we had two traps set, and we had two mice caught. Well, the kids that were there walked with me down the street a block or two, and we released the mice. While they were in the kids' class, I decided to go back to Walmart and procure another couple of traps with my experience with mice if you catch them that quickly, there will be more. The kids set all four traps 
in strategic locations, baited with peanut butter, we were sure to catch more mice in the night. The next day we came to class, and sure enough, four mice. This battle continued, catching a total of 14 mice. The only thing that really changed with this battle was I stopped taking the kids with me to walk the mice a couple of blocks to release them. No, I didn't kill the mice when the kids weren't looking. I ended up driving the mice to the behind the Walmart and released them there. I definitely did not want the mice walking back a block or two and getting back into their home. With the 14 mice caught and released in safe locations, a week went by without a mouse caught in our trap. We were all but sure our victory over the mice was complete until one of the kids saw a mouse the child saw a mouse in the light banister we have the lights that are the long tube fluorescent light bulbs that have a plastic piece that covers them from the room somehow a mouse was in the ceiling crawled through and got into the light the little guy was just hanging out in the light banister amazing I as a mouse war general had never seen such a bold act by a mouse. Not to mention that the light was on when he was in there. Well, both myself and Coach are not in the type of shape of people that need to be monkeying around on ladders and getting into the ceiling. This is when, as a leader in this battle, I selected my own son to climb a ladder, get in the ceiling, and set our four mouse traps in the quadrant of this battlefield where the mice were making their last stand. He was up there for about two minutes. We heard a bit of commotion and a foot came through the ceiling tile. Now my son was able to catch himself on a pole that was up there and hang on. But he nearly fell through the ceiling. We moved the ladder, got him down safely, and put the damaged ceiling tile back in the ceiling. The next day we checked the traps and there was one mouse caught out of the four traps. I declared a total victory on the battle we had with the mice and my son noticed. Now we have no mice but we do have a mouse hole in our ceiling. This has been Matt Tales. Some of the names and places may have changed. We may, in fact, have taken some creative liberties with the story. In order to keep Matt Tales going, we need more tales. Tales from listeners like you. Send your tales to bjjbrick at gmail.com. We look forward to hearing your amazing stories.